You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Weekly Web Foot Review. We're excited about the Vegas Bowl, baby. The podcast that keeps you fresh with the latest happenings in the world of Oregon Ducks athletics. Oregon remains an extremely powerful national brand. Freddie and Luke and all the guys going back. Aaron, they've all had a big, big part of this. Now, here's your host. Our guys have done well in our approach, which is win the day. Jordan Schultz. Summertime in full swing. Heck yeah. Welcome to episode nine of the weekly Webfoot Review. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. And I got to say, uh, leading off the show, thank you to those of you who found the podcast from hearing that ad on Blazers Edge's podcast. I'm a hardcore Blazers fan as well. So if you're listening for the first time, just know I am a big Northwest sports fan, as big of a Northwest sports fan as you listeners are. I just want my favorite teams to be the best. Any less than that for me is unacceptable. Those are the glasses that I'm looking at a lot of the sports that I watch through. I'm kind of a hardcore fan, maybe too hardcore. I'm a weird one, I know. But when my team stink, I lose sleep about it. Annoying as hell to me. So if you're coming here for Ducks news and to just understand what's going on with the Oregon football and basketball programs, and keep up to date with the latest, then this is where you want to be. So like I said, when my team stink, I lose sleep about it. But I guess you can say I've been sleeping pretty easy when it comes to the Oregon Ducks for the past couple of weeks, though. Lots of great news to get to on the weekly Webfoot review this week. If it's even possible, uh, Kelly Graves and the Lady Ducks continue to kick butt. We'll lead off there, and I'll tell you how the momentum just keeps on rolling for them. It's insane. Good news. Another week brings another commitment for Dana Altman and the men's basketball team, and thank goodness for that. We'll also focus on the state of their roster and what it would look like if the season started today. We're actually finally getting a chance after all these questions that we've had for the past couple of months since their surprise run to the Sweet 16. We're finally getting some answers. And also, regarding Ducks men's basketball, we'll take a second look at which teams took a chance on Kenny Wooten and Lewis King. Getting pushed out because of just a lot of guys getting picked a heck of a lot lower than they were expected. Bull Bull in particular as well. Supposed to be a lottery pick dropping all the way to 44, eventually going to the Denver Nuggets. What a crazy situation that the 2019 NBA draft was. Also, a lot to talk about regarding the football team as well. They grabbed a couple of more recruits for the 2020 class. I know this kind of sounds redundant, but I'm here to report on Ducks News, and this is what's happening right now. They just keep getting stud athletes, men and women, to come in and play for the University of Oregon and continue to take their program to new heights, whether it be football or basketball. Also, funny story here, tickets for the season opener against Auburn down in Dallas are cheap. I'm talking dirt cheap. 
I, I kind of wonder why Ducks fans of years past haven't necessarily traveled so well to games like this. So I'm going to discuss why I think fans need to step up and travel well to open the season for the Advocare Classic. It's a big game against Auburn. We'll dive into that later in the show. There was also some baseball news I missed last week. I'll tell you who athletic director Rob Mullins hired to replace head coach George Horton. And as always, we wrap up the show with this week in Ducks history. The start of the summer means it's NBA draft time, of course, so we'll look back at the drafts of the big three that took Oregon to the 2002 Elite Eight for this week in Ducks history. And if you don't remember who those guys are, I'll give you a hint. Two of their names start with Luke. That should give it away if you are a real Oregon Ducks fan. And by the way, please give the show a five-star rating on iTunes. You can find the podcast, the weekly Webfoot review on either iTunes or Spotify. So really getting those algorithms to like the show requires uh, high ratings and I think a couple of nice comments. So if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Apple podcasts and also look for me on Twitter on the air Jordan. That's on the air Jordan with an O G O R D O N. If you have any ideas for topics or any burning ducks questions that you want the answers to, I I'm the guy that really wants answers. So I will find them for you or we'll discuss it or I'll do a podcast on it. And that, that would be pretty cool if uh, I could interact with you listeners and fans that have some really good questions and burning issues they have with the ducks. Cause I guarantee you, I agree with you on a lot of them and I probably disagree with you on some of them. And it'd be a really fun fight to have maybe over a beer regarding Oregon sports. So anyways, definitely a packed show for episode nine of the weekly web foot review. So let's get to it. We'll tip it off with the Lady Ducks. ESPN has ranked every single commitment so far from their 2020 class as a five-star recruit. And as well, obviously, when they're like that, they end up all being in the ESPN top 100. I mean, the lowest-ranking player for Kelly Graves' recruiting class coming in next season is 40th in the nation, and that's point guard Tahina Pow Pow. It's crazy. So we'll just kind of take a look at this recruiting class and how good they are for 2020 for the Lady Ducks. Tahina Pow Pow, she's the 40th best player in the nation, 13th ranked point guard, and regarded as arguably the top prospects to ever come out of the San Diego area. And just so people know, that is an area that also produced NCAA all-time leading scorer Kelsey Plum, scoring just over 3,500 points in her career for the University of Washington. Next up in the 2020 class for Kelly Graves and the Ducks, five foot eleven guard Maddie Schur, the 24th ranked best player and the fifth ranked guard. Unbelievable players coming in for Oregon ladies next year. She's the reigning Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year, getting 14 points, seven rebounds, four and a half assists, three steals, and a block and a half a game as a junior. Led her team to a state championship there. Forward Angela Dugalich sitting at number 23, ranked as the fifth best forward overall, 23 in the ESPN top 100. She is currently on the bubble to make the Serbian senior national team as a teenager. That is pretty awesome. Last season, scoring 13 points a game, almost nine rebounds, 2.3 assists, almost three steals in one block per game and leading her team to an Illinois state title. We're just getting champions to come to Eugene. Duck fans, you got to be stoked about this. 
fourth up on this list of the five duck recruits that are the ESPN top 100 Kylie Watson, a forward from New Jersey. She's number 17 overall and the third best forward as a junior Kylie led mainland to its first ever New Jersey state championship. She scored 18 points a game, grabbed 11 boards, blocked three shots. Goodness gracious. What a talent. So excited to see what she can do down on the block for Kelly Graves. And to finish off that list, 2020 ESPN top 100 recruits, all of them making it onto that list is guard Sydney Paris. She's the 11th best prospect overall and the second best guard. She averaged 21 points, seven boards, almost two steals a game. And she led her high school in Indiana to its first ever state championship. Uh, Parrish was also the first ever ESPN W five star prospect to commit to Oregon since Satu Sabali in the class of 2017 and the highest rated pledge since Sabrina Unescu in 2016. I guess you, you know, that phrase that the rich just keep getting richer seems to be what's happening with the ducks lady basketball program right now, just really on the up track and getting these recruits, Kelly Graves kind of, establishing a base with those players. You're hearing Sabali back in 2017. Obviously, Sabrina Unescu, super good. I mean, the Lady Ducks are already the favorite to win the NCAA championship next season with Unescu returning for her senior season. They've scheduled two more visits for five-star players for the 2020 class as well. I, I just cannot believe the kind of pub that Oregon's athletics are getting right now. It's insane. So this is about as good as it gets for your favorite team without winning an actual title. So here's the scoop on these two players. Head coach Kelly Graves going to be hosting six foot seven. Yeah, that's right. A big presence down in the middle for Oregon, possibly Texas freshman transfer Sedona Prince, as well as another post player, Lauren Ware. Prince actually has a pretty unique, frustrating story. Um, She's the nation's number eight overall prospect from the class of 2018, but unfortunately missed her freshman season. She broke her leg while competing for Team USA at the U18 Women's Americans Championship. Uh, she has actually also previously visited Notre Dame and UConn, so not even close to being a lock by far for Oregon to sign Prince, but what a grab if they could get a player like that who kind of trying to maybe hit the restart button after her prospects at Texas fluttered away with the broken leg and, and a place like Oregon with the kinds of players that they have coming in next year. How could you not want to play with such a star studded group? If I were in her position, it's hard not to keep my eyes wide open on what's going on with Kelly Graves and Eugene. And also their other visit that's scheduled with post player, Lauren, Ware. she is the nation's, 30th overall prospect in the number four post. So they could possibly get another star studded girl for this year's class. She has trimmed her list to the top 10. Looks like Arizona, Arizona state, Florida, Iowa, LSU, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Carolina state, Texas, and of course, Oregon. She's six foot five comes out of century high school in North Dakota told the ESPN she wants to play both basketball and volleyball in college. So that's going to be a pretty big deal. Seeing if Oregon would allow her to do that. She was a superstar in the hardwood though. She was on an undefeated team at century high school, 27 and 0 
She scored 17 points, grabbed 11 boards, 4.6 blocks, and two assists per game as a junior. That's right, 4.6 block. Landing either of these players would be huge for the Lady Ducks. If you kind of were listening to a lot of those top five players that are coming in from the ESPN top 100 this year for the Ducks, they got a lot of guards on that list and maybe a couple of athletic forwards for their roster for next year. The addition of Ware or Prince, that would basically fill that last hole on their roster. They they would be so excited to get both of them, of course, but just one of them would really kind of be that final piece. And they're already favored to win a national championship this year, like I said. And then coming back the year after that with really no weaknesses, the sky's the limit for Kelly Graves and the Oregon Ducks ladies program. It's insane to see the transformation that has gone down in just the last five to seven seasons for them. Really excited if you're a Lady Ducks fan. And we've barely spent any time talking about how good the 2019 squad is going to be. I mean, maybe that's because fans are just assuming that they're going to be good, so it's a waste of time to wonder. But it, like I said, this this level that the program has risen to during this offseason, that, that has been a real distraction for me. It's just exciting. I, I know I keep using that word, but it's distracting from what they could be doing this coming year. It's the best dream any Duck fan could have. Your favorite basketball team has scored five and possibly six of the best recruits in the class of 2020. That is hard to overlook, even if we have to wait more than a year to see that team take the hardwood. And I am already stoked to see what they're going to do to tip off the 2019 season. So we'll switch gears to men's basketball now because the news about their team in the last week was almost as good as the Lady Ducks. Dana Altman has been working his tail off to fill up basically the entire roster after so many players from their sweet 16 run graduated. Uh, then, of course, others declaring early or transferring. Just what a whirlwind offseason it has been for the Oregon men. Week by week, though, we've been getting one answer after another, slowly but surely, about who will be playing at Matt Knight Arena for the men this year? Well, Oregon got another huge answer this week. Three-star forward Loke Wurr announced his commitment to come to Eugene. He's 6'8", 190 pounds, so he's a bit skinnier, but as a senior in high school, we're averaging 21 points, 10 rebounds, two and a half blocks per game. He's a very multi-skilled athlete. He could play either the small or power forward position for Dana Altman. So kind of a stretch forward that really gives Dana some options coming in with the other combination of guys this year and Loke Wars recruitment actually been a crazy ride so far, pretty recently coming on to the national stage and teams getting a crack at him just a few weeks ago. He was actually planning on heading to junior college, but got some late academic eligibility clearance from the NCAA and his entire recruitment kind of flipped. We're offered at that point, and, and I'd be by by kind of flipped, I mean 20 scholarship offers after that unexpected clearance. Uh, schools like Creighton, Dana Altman's former uh, school that he coached at, Iowa, Kansas State, Nevada, Texas A&M as well. He visited Oregon last weekend, though, and decided right then and there to end his recruitment. How about that? What a breath of fresh air, thankfully, that is for this team. It kind of 
you've been worried if you're a hardcore Ducks fan, at least I've been worried about the direction of the men's basketball team, even though they do have some better players coming in with the recruiting class this season. But, you know, with Victor Bailey leaving with Kenny Wooten unexpectedly deciding to go to the NBA draft along with Lewis King really left the Ducks in a lurch. And when you see guys like this that are coveted by so many schools, come in and make a decision just right on campus when they see what's going on in Eugene kind of puts those fears to rest a little bit, at least for me, it's like, wow, okay, there really is something special in Eugene. It's not just me saying it as a fan. I mean, I really was scared that Dana Altman would be grasping at straws this off season. Instead, the ducks adding a top player on top of Loke were the week before in Eugene Omaruyi from Rutgers, also Peyton Pritchard's former backcourt mate, Anthony Mathis from New Mexico. They're still waiting on word from graduate transfer from UNLV Shakur Juiston as well. So there could be even more good news that we get for Oregon and add that to the recruiting class. Like I just mentioned that Dana Altman already put together and it looks like the ducks have the pieces to be competitive on the floor this year maybe for a Pac-12 championship. I don't know if they have the talent to just win outright, but they will be in the mix. It looks like they've really gotten some unexpected additions here that make the team look pretty good going into the 2019-2020 season. So at the moment, the Ducks men's basketball roster looks like this, breaking it down. Peyton Pritchard obviously announcing that he was returning before the NBA draft. Senior six-foot-two guard, Anthony Mathis, like I just said, transferring from New Mexico, former backcourt mate of Peyton Pritchard in high school. Juco transfer Chris Duarte, the six foot five junior transfer, going to be a huge addition, very athletic for Dana Altman, can shoot the ball. Will Richardson, a sophomore, returning from last year's squad, one of three players. Also, the third player on that list, Francis Okoro. 6'9 forward, 235 pounds, one of the only really big guys that they had until they got Eugene Omaruyi, the senior graduate transfer from Rutgers, 6'7, 240 pounds. Their recent addition this week of Loke War going to be coming in as a 6'9, 190-pound freshman. So maybe if he could add a little bit of weight, that, that would really help out his career and longevity prospects for going later into college in the NBA. Chandler Lawson coming in as a freshman, a 2019 class signee, 6'8", 205 pounds, and of course the prize, C.J. Walker, 6'8", 200 pounds, coming in as a freshman. So also to add to the end of that, it sounds like the Ducks are going to be retaining both walk-on players from last year's roster, Luke Osborne, Will Johnson. So you add those guys, one, two, three, four, five, six. So that's 11 guys. And they've also got one of their signees that's not necessarily going to be on the roster this year. Uh, He's going to be on a two-year Mormon mission before he comes back. And just kind of encouraging looking as we get into the heart of summer, finally starting to see what this team is going to look like when they take the court. I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I was sleeping easier because of all this good news. And I am sure that Dana Altman is sleeping easier as well. What a job he did putting together this roster from basically nothing. 24-7 Sports made a great point about how this roster coming together looks pretty similar to 2015 when Dylan Brooks, Elgin Cook, 
Dwayne Benjamin all joined the Ducks at the same time. I was kind of mentioning with Loke Wurr being a power or a stretch forward, that trio in 2015 was largely interchangeable. And the Walker Lawson Wurr group that we're looking at here has that same type of skill set. So Dana Altman's going to be doing some tinkering around this year with the roster, really gives him some creativity. And I think that might allow him to surprise their team or two when they go out to play and kind of surprise them with something that those opponents didn't watch in the film room. Also a bit more ducks basketball news. If you haven't heard the two ducks that were expected to go in the NBA draft last week dropped like a freaking rock one dropping off the board entirely bull bull, the seven foot three project with flashes of brilliance in his nine games at Oregon Expected to be a lottery pick, such a, a volatile score when he does give the effort, a three-point shooter, the son of Manute Bull. He ended up dropping to the middle of the second round, going 44th overall to the Denver Nuggets. That ended up pushing Lewis King. He was projected to get taken at points earlier in some mock drafts, like late in the first round, but closer to the NBA draft, was projected to get taken pretty much in the second round. He got pushed out of the draft entirely, and Kenny Wooten knew he wasn't being taken, but instead of getting something like a two-way contract like, like Lewis King did, he ended up trying to catch on for Summer League. I, I mean, I've got to assume that his stock with teams was affected by his former teammates getting pushed down. He and Lewis King did find jobs, though. That's why I'm bringing these guys up again. Uh, Kenny Wooten is going to be spending the Summer League, former Duck, with the New York Knicks. He was an intriguing prospect for teams going into pre-draft festivities. He wasn't invited to any combines, but went to the G League elite camp and was still flown to workouts by 12 different teams. So guys have an eye on him. They're interested in Kenny Wooten and what he can do, or at least what he could turn into. He's super athletic and long. A lot of comparisons have been made to Jordan Bell, former Duck who got a shot uh, with the Golden State Warriors in the second round a couple of years ago. I'm still mad as a Portland Trailblazers fan that the Blazers didn't end up grabbing Jordan Bell. Really think that that was a miss by Neil O'Shea, but but that's, you know, I digress. The Knicks at this point are basically taking a flyer on a kid that could hopefully turn it into a defensive force for them. Super athletic and long, like I said, a great shot blocker, was on the all-pack 12 defensive team two years in a row the problem with Kenny right now is offense he doesn't really do much but dunk and hasn't shown a really great ability to pass the ball well so the Knicks are once again taking a flyer on what could be and that team is in shambles right now and a lot of the situations that they're involved in kind of just throwing stuff at a wall hoping it sticks so good luck there New York Knickerbockers but that kind of makes it a good situation for someone like Kenny Wooten, though. He can show up this summer, play without fear, and show what he can do. I still don't think he should have left Oregon until his offensive game was a little more solid, but, you know, he'd be like, what do you know? I'm sure he would tell me I'm stupid to my face. So, of the other undrafted duck, Lewis King fared a bit better. He signed a two-way contract with the Detroit Pistons. King absolutely lit up opponents to lead Oregon to the Pac-12 tournament title, really coming on late in the year, averaging 13 points, five rebounds per game in his lone season with the Ducks. Super frustrating for me. Knee injury sidelining him early, but obviously rebounding just fine. Lewis King, once again, another player I think would have helped himself immensely, especially with the kinds of guys 
that were in this draft, like John Morant pushing a kid like him down the board a little bit. He would have helped himself immensely if he stayed for one more season at Oregon. He can play, but he still has a lot to learn, needs to put on 10 or 20 pounds of muscle to deal with the grind of an NBA 82-game season. That surprise run to the Sweet 16 for Oregon really gave Lewis King and Kenny Wooten a ton of confidence about their futures. Maybe riding that momentum into the NBA draft was a mistake, but hopefully those guys and Bol Bol can just put the work in, show people where they went wrong and get to where they think they should be. Although I will say that comment by Bol Bol, if you didn't go find this on YouTube, I'm sure it's all over the place. Bol Bol and his post draft interview said in response to the question, what's your game like? What can you bring to NBA teams? Well, you, you, you see it on YouTube, like, dude, you need to be more passionate in describing what the heck you bring to the table and you need to be more sure of yourself. And I think that answer right there showed why he dropped so far down the board all the way to the 44th pick. All right, we're going to kick off Ducks football talk coming up next. Some more good news, scoring a couple of big recruits for their 2020 class. And, and a question I've got, why the hell are games for the Oregon Auburn opener going for so cheap? And why aren't Ducks fans traveling so well? Let's get out and watch this team against the team that beat them in the national championship game and get them going on the right track this season. I'll get you some answers about all this on the weekly web foot review coming up next. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the weekly web foot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. We've been talking lots of basketball so far on episode nine. Duck fans everywhere crossing their fingers to see if Lewis King and Kenny Wooten will have successful pro careers. Bowl Bowl as well. Let's flip over to football because, yeah, that's right. There's even more good news coming down the recruiting pipeline for them. We mentioned Marcus Harper, a three-star offensive lineman from Illinois last week. He had changed his Twitter pick to an Oregon picture before he was done with his recruiting. Well, he officially announced his intent to sign with the Ducks for 2020. Oregon beating out Purdue and Iowa State. Those are the others in his final three to get this kid. Uh, He actually announced that he was coming to Eugene on his birthday. That's a pretty cool way that all went down, right? Uh, According to Oregon Live, Harper is particularly enamored with the opportunity to learn from head coach Mario Cristobal. Of course, Mario Cristobal, former offensive lineman, developing multiple pupils into NFL athletes. He told Oregon Live, it means a lot for me to have a head coach that's a former offensive line coach and offensive lineman. Talk about the positive effect that Mario is having on this program. At this point, maybe Willie Taggart heading back to Florida State and shunning the Ducks like a jerk was the best thing that could have happened to them. The program, the status that they've been vaulted to, I I don't even think the most optimistic fans dreamt of this at this point in time. I mean, the way that offensive linemen are coming now to the, to the University of Oregon, the way that coaches are going out and recruiting them in a different way. It's just transforming how the Ducks are being looked at nationally, not only by national prognosticators and sports media, but other teams and other programs and kids themselves. 
now they're that physical gritty team down in the block and you know i mean we've seen it in college football championships are won up front and the guys that have the bigger four on the defensive line that that can push teams out of the way usually you know alabama's with Nick Saban as their head coach has had that mentality for a long time. Same with Dabo Swinney at Clemson. Those are the teams that get it done in college football. And Oregon has just come up short. They came up short against Auburn. They came up short against Ohio state. And if that mentality is now at Oregon, no one is going to be able to stop them, especially if Mario Cristobal really gets this team going in the direction that he wants. This is just the start. So Harper, the second offensive line commitment for the 2020 class. He joins the massive six, seven, 390 pound Faope Lalulu. Oregon also adding another stud to their 2020 class last week. Four-star linebacker Jackson LaDuke announcing that he would be joining the Ducks. This, of course, a huge commitment for the defensive side of the ball. They're going to be losing a uh, leading tackler, Troy Dye, after the season. And, and it's just continuing to get better for Oregon and international status, Oregon for Jackson LaDuke beat out Arizona, Arizona state, Boise state, Michigan, and a hell of a lot more other schools. That is now seven commitments for the ducks for the month of June. They are on a freaking roll this off season. Now they just need to get their head right. Prepping for this huge year ahead. It is full of opportunities. Heisman trophy candidacy for Justin Herbert. I'm saying it now, getting to the college football playoff, they have the possibility to win the national championship this year. They're obviously going to be competing in the Pac-12. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry for Oregon football this year. Live up to the expectations. This could be such a special season. Justin Herbert, his Heisman candidacy, top five NFL pick in the draft. We've been talking about that a lot on the weekly web foot review leading up to the ducks opener, the offensive line returning all five starters. One of the best ranked in the nation, the wide receiving unit starting to look elite true freshmen like Micah Pittman coming in to the spring game, announcing their presence. Of course, Penn state transfer Jawan Johnson replacing Dylan Mitchell as the go-to guy for Justin Herbert, the running back group with CJ Verdell uh, Cyrus Habibi Likio adding experience and depth and, and now more situational guys for any point in the game. Likio getting on the goal line, basically scoring at will for the Ducks when it was three yards or less because he could just barrel through. The offense has no excuses. They should be the best in the Pac-12 this year. And the defense, even though they lost a couple of key guys like Amadi, they coming in with the best signed recruiting class in school history are making up for the losses. So what could be in Oregon's way? Well, if you remember last year, they came out on the road, uh, especially on the road, pretty weak to start games last season. They looked anemic. Their schedule is going to be tough this year too. But, but I mean, last year at times they could look unstoppable, but at times they just looked anemic. There were times they couldn't move the ball. Defense couldn't get a stop. And I hate this word, consistency. If you play well, then you're consistent. You're good. And, and consistency is it, playing well all year. That is a key to being on the top at the end of the season and getting to that college football playoff. And, and the schedule for Oregon this year, pretty difficult. One of the most difficult in the country. Of course, opening up 
against Auburn to start the season in a neutral site game, then playing road games at Stanford, Washington, USC, and Arizona State. Now, if Oregon does beat Auburn to open the year, they will probably look a little better, even with a loss in the Pac-12 conference. But I tell you what, the Ducks, if they do open the season 0-1, they're going to have to run the table to get to the college football playoff. And all those hard road games, like we just mentioned, that it is so important for them to come out strong. And it is so important for Ducks fans to come out this season and support the team. And I don't mean just at Autzen Stadium. That ridiculous road schedule is going to eat them alive if they're not focused. And whenever they've opened the year on a neutral site in a game like that, it's been more of an away game. Fans just won't travel well. This year, Duck fans, you've got no excuse. No excuse. In fact, let me tell you why. According to an article from SaturdayDownSouth.com, tickets for the Ducks versus Auburn are going for as low as 45 bucks. And I know you're looking at a few hundred more for a hotel, you know, for a rental car. You got to try and find flights and whatnot. But it's a great time of year to go on vacation anyways at the end of summer before the kids go back to school. Or you know, maybe this is a destination for you and the significant other, you and the fam. It is a trip you will never forget. I, I promise you. I have frequent and fond memories of going to see Oregon on the road as a kid. I, and I didn't even go to very many games. It's not like I was a spoiled brat. Yeah, we had season tickets. I was a spoiled brat in that regard. But I got to go on the road, I think, yeah, three times. We saw Washington State, Washington, and, and, you know, going to Seattle's a bit easier to swing, but but hotels are still expensive in that area. So we got to see University of Washington, got to see Wazoo, and then we went down and saw a game against Stanford as well. So so I, I have so many great memories from those kinds of games, and going for such an epic season that could be Oregon football this year, I mean, why not go? So tickets being as low as 45 bucks to go see the Ducks against the team that beat them in the national championship already trying to get a measure of revenge. I mean, what could be better? So if you don't want to sit in the third level, 46, 45 bucks in the upper concourse, mezzanine tickets are going for about $112 main level tickets for about $160. So you could probably score a couple of, you know, round trip seats on a cheaper airline that, that's doing a flash sale or something. If you get in now, my point is, Duck fans, you can make this happen. The Ducks need our support. If they see a stadium almost half full of green and yellow, as opposed to just a tiny section or corner of it, they're going to come out of that gate motivated and with a spring in their step. It can really, I know it is cheesy, but I truly believe it. It can really make a difference for their confidence on the field, Duck fans. All right, switching gears to Ducks baseball really quick. A bit of baseball news that I missed last week. I did say at the outset of this podcast that, you know, it's going to be mostly revolving football and basketball. But I would be talking about other Ducks sports if something big happened. Well, if you haven't heard, head coach George Horton stepped down and that is huge news but the Ducks didn't take long to find his replacement athletic director going out and grabbing a familiar face Mark Wazikowski, the head coach from Purdue former Ducks assistant 
coming back to Eugene to take over the program. He served as an assistant at Oregon uh, from 2011 to 2016 before leaving to become the head coach at Purdue. His record there in three seasons was 87 and 82. Also got to the NCAA regionals in 2018. So pretty cool there, at least growing the program. So you can see that he had them going in the right direction. And he's got a ton of experience. Wazikowski, an assistant coach on 11 NCAA teams in 13 years from 03 to 2015. That was, of course, four in five years while at Oregon. The Ducks were only one of three teams nationally to win 40 plus games every year from 2012 to 2014 while he was on staff. And 23 Oregon players selected in the MLB draft during his time in Eugene, that five years. So obviously the right presence and he was around Oregon when they were more successful. Maybe he's the guy to bring a college world series to Oregon. I had heard rumors about Scott Brosius, uh, former Linfield head coach, uh, leading them to quite a few NCAA uh, championships in their division, uh, you know, getting up to the big leagues coaching third base for the Seattle Mariners as well. That would have been a cool hire, but I understand Rob Mullins going somewhere where he is familiar. So, so maybe Wazikowski's the guy, you know, personally, uh, Ducks baseball isn't that important to me. I'm happy that they have a program. I'm more concerned about the health of the program. I'm more concerned that Wazikowski keeps them going year to year, keeps the cupboard full and continues to produce products for the MLB draft. And it seems like that this is the safe choice to do so from Rob Mullins. So I like where Ducks baseball went. Former Duck Mark Wazikowski coming back from Purdue to take over the program that George Horton stepped down from. Coming up, we're going to wrap up the show with a men's basketball edition of This Week in Ducks History. That's next on the Weekly Webfoot Review. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the Weekly Webfoot Review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you. So much duck news going on this week, even though it's the offseason for pretty much everybody. This is why I do this podcast, to keep you duck fans updated on every basketball happening, all the newest football recruits coming in to the University of Oregon. And once again, be sure to give the show a five-star rating on iTunes if you like it. This show can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for the weekly Webfoot Review. Also, your host, me, Jordan Schultz. I am on Twitter, on the air, Jordan. Find me there and give me a shout out. If you want to hear anything specific talked about on the show you haven't heard yet, let me know. If you have any burning ducks questions, let me know. I would love to talk about what you want to talk about. I want to interact with you Ducks fans. It's why I'm doing this. I want to get the news out to you, but I also want to know what people care about. So yeah, find me on Twitter, on the air, Jordan with an O, J-O-R-D-O-N. All right, it's time for my favorite part of every show, This Week in Ducks History. It's a part of the show that we take to look back on former Ducks athletes and things that happened around this time of the year or just famous ducks that are in the news past or present so of course this week in ducks history this week is going to be a basketball edition i since it is nba draft time i wanted to take a look at where the big three from the 2002 elite eight men's basketball team each went in the nba draft if you don't know who i'm talking about the big three, of course, are 
Luke Rittenauer, Luke Jackson, and Freddie Jones. If you don't remember those guys, they were absolute studs in their time at the University of Oregon. I mean, that run to the 2002 Elite Eight for your Ducks, it was, it, it, it they were such a good team. I, I thought that they were contending for a championship, but ended up getting ousted in that season, unfortunately, by Kansas. I mean, it was really fun to watch. I still remember I was on a camping trip uh, down kind of in the woods around the bend area and we had a really fuzzy tv really bad connection and it was fun to try and keep up with hey who's shooting the free throws and at the time i think you could tell that carlos boozer was on the line when he was playing for duke because we were watching other games as well not just oregon and kansas we were watching to see uh the duke uh, blue devils play and oh hey you could kind of see carlos boozer's legs in between the fuzzy connection there. So just looking back at this game with glasses that we have now, uh, of course, Oregon did lose by quite a bit. And this was actually when Roy Williams was still a coach back at Kansas. So if anybody doesn't remember that, yeah, Oregon matching up against Kansas in the O2 uh, elite eight regional final in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't uh, against anybody. It was against Roy Williams. The whole point of me bringing this up was to talk about the big three for the Oregon Ducks at that time. And yeah, Luke Jackson, Luke Ridnour, Fred Jones, just unbelievable athletes. And I hadn't seen anything like it uh, when I was a kid. And Fred Jones absolutely went off for that Elite Eight game against Kansas, despite the loss, 32 points. Uh, Luke Ridnour and Luke Jackson didn't really show up nine and seven for them respectively going back and looking at the box score at uh, the final 104 to 86 Luke Ridnour that season two at the university of Oregon was averaging about 16 points a game and five assists. So really good numbers for him. Luke Jackson also putting up big numbers that year, almost 17 points a game, 3.3 assists and 5.4 rebounds a game. And of course, Fred Jones, the senior and high scorer for that team throughout his career, almost a 19 point a game clip and three assists and five rebounds. So definitely a potent offense for the University of Oregon that season, a reason why they were able to make it so far against Roy Williams in Kansas, but really just good memories watching these guys play. And they all went pretty high in the NBA draft. Of course, Fred Jones in 02. He went 14th overall to the Indiana Pacers and spent a good amount of time in the NBA, not nearly as long and illustrious of a career as Luke Ridnour, but getting in there for near 10 years is a pretty big accomplishment for anybody. Made almost $14 million in his NBA career, got to spend a year with the Portland Trailblazers, actually had some of his worst statistics uh, as an NBA player when he played for Portland. So just really cool to see Fred Jones at least getting somewhere in the NBA. Of course, the next season, Luke Ridnour out of Blaine, Washington, going 14th overall to the Seattle Supersonics before they became the Oklahoma City Thunder. Luke Ridnour had the best career out of all these three guys. Uh, what a stud in the NBA was a prolific shooter, a career shooter in the NBA at just about 35%. And he played for quite a long time. 
about 12, 13 years in the NBA, made just about $50 million in his career, started uh, one, two, three, started six. So half of his NBA career, he was a starter, a serviceable player in the NBA, shot at the free throw line, also a great free throw, uh, shoot, a great free throw shooter at 86%. So Luke Ridnauer also had the nickname Frodo. Really cool to kind of look back and reflect on these guys and what they did. And I actually forgot that he had that nickname. Really cool. And Luke Jackson, of course, in the next draft, 04, going 10th overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers on that uh, LeBron James team, actually going, I think, a year after LeBron James went in the NBA draft. So he really wasn't able to spend that long in the NBA Spent a total of parts of about five seasons, played in the D-League as well. I actually remember going to a couple of different Idaho Stampede games, watching him put up some big numbers there. Went on to have a pretty decent coaching career here in the past few years. In 2013, he started coaching at Northwest Christian University, of course, staying close to his roots. He was from Eugene, so it only made sense that he went and played for the Ducks and coached there at a smaller college. Lasted five seasons there, ended up taking them to their first ever Division II National Championship tournament appearance and led them to an 88-38 and 38 record, two conference regular season titles. So not too bad for Luke Jackson, actually, after the 2018 season resigned, said that he wanted to continue coaching, but uh, was just looking for a change of scenery and recently had had a daughter, so... Uh, yeah, just trying to move on and good for Luke Jackson uh, staying in the game as you get older and just thinking of the memories that I had on the court in Oregon uniforms and now looking forward and seeing, you know, where we're at and the kinds of careers that they had. It's just really nice to go back and reminisce and look down memory lane a little bit about some of the best Oregon basketball players in history. Luke Ridnauer, Luke Jackson and Fred Jones. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the weekly web foot review. We're going to start here shortly to preview all of the Pac-12 opponents for Oregon's football team for this upcoming season. Uh, once again, a big opener against Auburn, but we're going to start to get some football guests and really gear towards the football season coming up on the weekly web foot review podcast. Thanks to all you duck fans for tuning in. We're going to have a lot of fun this summer, getting ready for the start of football season. And of course, anything that's going to be happening in basketball or baseball, any big news, we'll be talking about it here on the weekly web foot review. You can find the show on iTunes and Spotify. Hope you enjoy the July 4th holiday. Go Ducks. Weekly Web Foot Review, the podcast.